Hey everyone, and welcome to Working with Humans. I am your host, Matt Phelan. I am here with the amazing... Clive Highland. Clive, we're actually technologically linked up. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> That's what's amazing. It's all downhill from here now. <laughs> How's your wasp's nest? Um, uh, still a bit waspish. I'm staying well away from it, to be honest. So um, <laughs> we shall see what happens. <laughs> cool. Um, welcome on, Clive. Um, today, uh, we are recording um, the shorter versions of the Working With Humans podcast, which is our Happiness Shorts. Yep. I am going to be talking to Clive about neuroscience and happiness. Um, Clive, I was gonna, I was gonna do the normal and read out your um, like your bio on LinkedIn, um, mm-hmm. but there's so much to get through, isn't there? Um, yeah. I just, wanna, I just and, and that that was nothing to do with age, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of diversity in what you've done, but one thing I do want to call out is um, a story I've told a couple of times, which is. I was looking for more, we were trying to shine a light on people that had taken the HR route from HR director to CEO, and I couldn't find any, and I've been working with you for 10, 15 years, and you WhatsApp me to remind me that you had been on that route. <laughs> um, so I just want to call that out, and also the fact that um, you help us out as, um, were more than help us out as our head of um, neuroscience role at the Happiness Index. Okay. But... Um, could you just give us more of a flavour of your um, introduction than, than, than I could do it justice there? Oh, yeah. But I mean, bottom line is 30 years in a business career running quite sizable organisations and then switching in 2005 to this connection with neuroscience, which uh, I use to support businesses in a coaching and facilitation sense. Brilliant. Um, and the, the question I've got to ask you to kick off with, Clive, is what makes you happy? I got a perfect example of that yesterday, uh, which is pure joy, which was the first time that I've seen my grandchildren for four and a half months because of the COVID circumstances. And the epitome of joy was being um, in the on the bouncy castle with four kids of between two and five um, who joyed in beating me up and wrestling with me and God knows what else felt appropriate to them at the time. So, yeah, absolute unbridled joy of that. Loved it. So, yeah, um, the love of a family, uh, the um, the non-complication of that sort of love. Um, happiness other than that, I would say, is just that ongoing deep sense of um, connection with things such as nature. Oh, I love, love that quite. And I, I do want to touch on one other personal thing. Well, yeah. And it is another age thing. At what age did you make your um, international football debut? <laughs> well, um, it would have been 63. <laughs> 63. I just, I just think it's a brilliant story because sometimes people get to certain landmarks and certain ages. Yeah. Um, and I just think that's just a brilliant, it's a brilliant story about you getting involved in, in, in football all over again. Yeah, we probably ought to mention it's walking football for Wales, but, you know, that's details, isn't it? I am an international, yeah. As as my business partner and your son always says, I don't really do context. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, Okay, Clive, so I've got sort of three three questions, which are massive questions, really, to get through in 17 minutes. Okay, no Um, problem. So what can neuroscience teach us about happiness, Clive? Uh... I think it's um, it's it's obviously a big subject, um, and 
to understand happiness, I mean, happiness is a is an, an emotion essentially, and emotions are sensations in the body that are are sent to the brain in order to allow the brain to do something. Okay, the emotions themselves are an expression of our instincts, and if if we drop down to the instinctive level, happiness is where we instinctively sense an opportunity to grow. You know, it's an opportunity to be ourselves, to be honest. We feel safe. Um, we can express ourselves, put ourselves out there, and we're fulfilling who we, we are capable of being. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Fine. Yeah. Obviously, there's a lot more depth around that, but it's up to you how much depth you want to go into. Yeah. And if you're just hearing about neuro neuroscience, could you yeah. give us a sort of like um, intro to what neuroscience is? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a good question because it, sometimes I'm disappointed when so many people are put off by the, the word science, you know, and there's a lot of people that re- you know, link back to school and think, oh, God, I, I didn't like science in school. Um, but I would encourage people to get beyond that. And, and the context I put around it is that, look, psychology in particular in the last century took us to a, a, you know, a seriously advanced place in terms of understanding of human nature. Okay? But... That's effectively plateaued in this century, and we're looking to new areas of investigation to add to that knowledge base. Yeah. And neuroscience is a key example of that because now we can look at brains in operation. We don't have to make theories from the outside on observing behavior. We can look at what's actually going on in the brain, and that allows us to build a new knowledge base as to what is really going on in there. You know, emphasizing, of course, it's still early in the journey, but what we've discovered so far is just so awe-inspiring that, to me, anyone should want to understand the journey. Yeah, that's 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 really useful, Clive. And do you do you think there's based on what you know? Do you think there's there needs to be new ways of teaching this? Because, like you alluded back to, maybe people that just didn't enjoy science or they weren't great at certain areas in school that might be put off by it do you i know it's quite i'm not asking you to be like the the what the mp for um education here but have you, do you think there needs to be a, a bit of an overhaul about yeah yeah i mean there's two levels you know i think one is very topical in my mind in terms of you know how do we get this this is an everyday subject it just doesn't look like it from a different distance you know so uh, what disappoints me is when people sort of think oh yeah well that's got nothing to do with me or it lasts too much hard work so there's stuff that people like myself have to do to make it more accessible and that's to anyone any of them anyone that's interested in finding out more about human nature including themselves yeah. okay because those things are not separate right it's like and we all get to those points don't we we, we sort of think oh you know why did i react like that why am I not happy with my life? Why do I get into these sorts of problems? And if you don't understand yourself, you've got a very difficult job of trying to turn that around. Yeah. There's a second point then, which is more the you know where you sort of alluded to the broader educational thing. And yes, you know the 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 fate of this world, or certainly the human species of this world, is in the hands more than ever of those people that run education. Um, and I not just pointing to them in isolation from everyone else, but you know we know more and more the problems we get into are related to the constant generational mistakes we make in terms of judging people rather than understanding people. 
And until we can break the mold of that ongoing repetition of the same mistakes where people identify themselves in certain camps versus other people, you know, that it's it's gonna that will continue unless we fundamentally change what we do with children. And and that that's much bigger than just what teachers do. It's it's about the whole societal context of that and how we all support the teachers in what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. So yeah, that's a pretty serious answer, I guess. That we don't want yeah. it to be too heavy, but it's important, right? No, it's very important. I read a good, a good phrase at the um, I'd never heard it before at the weekend called uh, chronological snobbery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Refers to every generation who comes at the same problems, thinking that Absolutely. maybe this generation is smarter than the previous generation. Yeah. But from what we know from evolution and brains, that we we still got the same set of tools that we've had for yeah. the last five hundred years. Yeah. And. Um, but that brings us into the workplace then, Clive, um, yeah. which is one of the big questions um, in the book that you're helping with, with at the moment. This podcast yeah. is, is, is helping to bring to life, which is what can neuroscience teach us about employee engagement? OK, so let's pick up on the point about, you know, happiness, because it builds on that. And the way, you know, I, I talked about, uh, you know, the, the pure joy of being with the grandchildren, but there is a deeper sense of, of ongoing happiness, which we may call contentment, right? It's not about the temporary peaks where we're having fun. It's about the basic feeling that we have that, that we carry with us. Now, now, fundamentally, that lays the platform for our resilience going forward. Okay. Now, ultimately, if you think about... Um, feeling happy ultimately it's about feeling safe okay as i said the freedom to express yourself or just feeling that you're not threatened in any particular environment now that then opens the way up because when we feel safe the hormonal balance in the body and the brain changes and the hormones come in that allow us to engage okay so when we want to engage the question is so here i am i feel happy right i feel safe etc etc Engagement to me then is more about what am I going to do with that happiness? Okay, what am I going to do with this energetic commitment I've got to engage in? And that's where we come to meaning. Okay, so in a way, it's almost like happiness is a heart state and meaning is a brain state, a mind state. Okay, where it sort of says, yes, I've got this energy, I want to engage. Now, where do I engage? And it's the engagement piece is all about saying, come over here, mate. You know, because we've got this inspiring journey to offer you where you can see yourself. And that, again, allows for the expression of that thrive instinct. Yeah. And the happiness yep. we call well, the, the emotion we call happiness. Does that make some sort of sense? Yes. No, it, it, it totally does. And, and if you're a HR director listening, can, can you get this stuff into your business, this learning, this understanding? Of course you can. But, you know, in some ways, HR is the most difficult place to start. And it's because, you know, I hate to say this because I was in HR for, you know, for 10, 11 years myself. But, you know, it's the HR brand is struggling, in my opinion. There, there are a lot of people that when I talk to non-HR people, they sort of think, well, I don't know if, if, you know, I feel good enough about the HR people in our organization to come to them with this stuff. And that's such a missed opportunity, but it's completely reversible because it's about saying, look, let the policing go. 
you know, yes, of course, there are legislative elements and things we've got to keep an eye on. But fundamentally, this is about getting the regulation that often is dumped on the HR department, getting it down to the organization where organizations take responsibility for their own performance, you know, yeah. and the way that they structure teams around certain causes and things like that. And in a situation like that, the whole freedom of HR itself is opened up. And it's much more than about things like coaching and facilitation and nurturing and getting the best out of people, which is, in my experience, what most HR people want to do. But they found themselves in situations where it's very difficult to achieve. Yeah. Now, at the top of that organization, let's say you've got a stereotypical CEO that doesn't get it, right? But by linking the conversations in with things like performance rather than just, you know, we want people to be happy, that's where the CEO's light bulbs will go on, you know, because yeah. he's paid to get his people to perform. And if nobody's been telling him that there is a better way, him or her, a better way, then, of course, they're going to be stuck in the same sort of narrow box as well. So I think there's a fantastic opportunity for you know, HR or whatever it wants to call itself in the future to step forward and, and help the CEOs of the world to get to grips with this and find this better way, a, a better way that's completely scientifically underpinned. On, on the science bit, Clive, and also yeah. the HR bit, um, one of yeah. the other uh, guests uh, is one of my neighbours on this podcast, Norris Windross. If you right. were into your garage music, you would know as Norris the Windross, the boss. Right. Windross. But I interviewed <laughs> okay. him because I wanted to know about the impact um, he thought music had on happiness. Because uh, yeah. I thought it was an interesting thing to look at. And yeah. he was talking to me about how you can use music to create rhythm and to get people to move in the same rhythm on a dance floor. Absolutely. And, and it was unbelievable what he was talking about, actually. And then yeah. one of the, when he was in reflection mode, he says... I wish I had been more of a geek uh, because I was referring to data and geek. And I was really surprised to hear sort of a garage DJ say this. And what yeah. he means is now he understands things more. His, his words yeah. were, I've got more tools to be better. Yeah. Um, to, to HR, do you think we can tool up more um, with this stuff? Absolutely. You know, I love the analogy. Um, and I would say I build on the, the quote that you talked about there, because it's not about music creating rhythm. Um, music is rhythm. It's an expression of rhythm. Rhythm exists in the universe outside of us. You know, it's just a natural flow of the universe. And what happens when we connect with music is our hearts operate at a certain frequency, which then tallies with the frequency of that rhythm we're experiencing. So music itself speaks to the heart and it connects with the heart before it speaks to the brain. You know, it's a subconscious experience that we're having and it just opens us up. You know, for older people like me, you know, you hear a song you haven't heard for 30 years, music comes along and just opens up that memory and you're back there. And that's yeah. nothing to do with mind as such. It's just the whole memory experience that we have and you're actually encased in our bodies. So, Absolutely. You know, the key message behind this that I am trying to get over to people is because I can give all sorts of neuroscience explanations. Right. But 
yeah. there's always then the question, well, why do I need to know this stuff? You know, and sometimes it's a bit concerning when people have already made their mind up, they don't need to know it. Yeah. But, you, but your example is a perfect one of sort of saying, look, when you discover these tools, when you understand why you think a certain way, why you see things a certain way, how you've learned to, in life to give certain things more attention than others, all that comes back to you and gives you better choices going forward. Yeah. And it's only when you take the time to just step up and understand yourself, that's when you open up the possibility to grow into something more effective in the future. For, not somebody else's view of effective. It's what you want in your life, You know what you want to achieve in your life. And you have more tools than you think. Yeah. No, it's so useful, Clive. And I think to bring us up, bring us up to the narrative on this we've yeah in the book at this point on the podcast we've listened to people that have made the link between ha happiness um yeah. and how important it is in teams yeah um we've looked at it from an employee engagements perspective we've seen yeah. 25 years of financial data that shows yeah. that companies that look after their staff outperform uh, yeah. companies that don't um in yeah. the same industry yeah. Um, one other bit to just chuck in there is um, one of the guests I was speaking to thought that happiness may um, have more of an impact on certain industries' performance. Mm -hmm. So um, when he first did the research, he, he suspected that maybe, for example, professional services firm where you've got frontline staff may have more of an impact than engineering. Mm -hmm. um, the data shows actually that there is no difference. Happiness yeah. has an equal effect on um, all industries. Yeah. Um, and that leads us up to where we are now with this final question for you, which is the final bit of the conversation around CEOs. Um, mm. What can neuroscience teach us about the link between happiness and performance? Because even if there's people who are brought into the rest of this data in this pack, there's still, I still feel there'll be some people thinking, yeah, but that's not my job. This isn't, this isn't, my job is to just deliver the results. Mm. Um, but can neuroscience teach us anything about the link between happiness and performance? Yes, and it's not just neuroscience. Neuroscience will explain the mechanics of it, if you like. But, you know, it's quite intuitive in the sense that, you know, any CEO should ask themselves the question, do you think you, somebody could produce a highly successful sporting team if that team didn't get on well together, if they didn't want to play in the same team? And what we tend to do is, up until now is very much have organizations where we force people to fit into the organizations. And my argument, again, underpinned by the science, is it should be the opposite. You know, we should be finding talented, committed people and build light organizations to support them. Because the, the prerequisite is, do I want to be with this person? And we all know when we do and we feel that buzz, you know, we want to get out there and do it. It's built into us to perform. Yeah. Because that's, again, back to the thrive instinct. When we're performing, we know we're growing. And we want to see validation from the rest of the of society or the organization that's, that confirms to us, yeah, you guys are doing well. We know we're on the right track. So it's absolutely, you know, the, the platform for performance is emotional. And for far too long, we've focused on the rational, the processes, the systems, et cetera, et cetera. And all of that has be happened because we had the basic assumption is one of mistrust the yeah. people if you don't control them won't perform which is absolute rubbish and the answer is give them an environment to perform give them the opportunity to perform appreciate them acknowledge them and they will perform yeah 
So Clive, I'm gonna we've got one more minute and I'm gonna get yeah, I'm cool. gonna get really really practical on you. Yeah. Um, you got me right, you got me cool. Now I'm CEO um of this big company. Um I'm in say forty different countries. Yeah. I wanna be practical now. I've moved, I get it, I need to adapt. Have you got some 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 change advice? I've got. I'm I'm currently. It's a very command and control. It's a very traditional sales focused business. But I've I've listened to to you on this podcast. I wanted. To, I want to change. Where, yeah. where do I start on this? Where's Where's step one? Step one is check this stuff out in more detail, right? And what I mean by that, neuroscience or the people that can talk in these sorts of language in more depth. Because, you know, I've been a CEO and I you know, nobody's asking anyone to dive in with just a blind act of faith, you know. So the first step is create the space to check this stuff out and get serious about it. And I would absolutely stake my personal reputation on the fact that if you do that, the rewards will come. And by the way, it's a hell of a lot nicer job to do when effectively you've just created an environment where people want to perform for themselves. Yeah. Clive, that is absolutely brilliant. Um, again, I've learned so much from you. And thank you for coming on. Okay, mate. You're welcome. Look after Cheers, yourself. Clive. Cheers, man. Bye.